We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to Talking Buffalo, featuring conversations with guests from around the world of sports, media, pop culture, and all things Buffalo, with your host, Patrick Moran. All right, what is going on, everybody? How you doing? Welcome to Talking Buffalo, part of the Blue Wire Network. I am your host, Patrick Moran. Thank you tuning in whether it's on youtube whether it's on the audio side i am joined for my weekly chat we're day off had stuff going on yesterday uh aaron quinn cover one um i'll tell you the the draft you've been doing this for quite a long time with me now and the draft really gets in the way of the kind of shows that i like doing most with you i mean it's important that we do those mock drafts we did six of them in a row six straight weeks uh i feel like i learned a lot about the players. Yeah, and how some scenarios might play out, but anyway, that's over with, so it's back to normal for for the most part, anyway. With my right, my man Aaron, how you doing, dude? Uh, you know, I hate to be the guy that's constantly complaining about the weather, uh, but other than the weather, I'm fantastic. But honestly, Pat, like week in and week out, I'm coming and talking to you, and I'm like, I'm sick of it. This is it. I'm sick of it, and it just, it honestly is getting worse somehow. Yeah, yeah it is. So we're taping this. What is this? May third. Third. Taping this May 3rd. I don't even know what date is anymore. Oh, this is dropping on Thursday, May 4th. I know that. Yeah, it's just this. It's currently broke. in uh, Tonawanda, New York. It's 39, and my watch just has like 12 hours of the rain picture. Jesus Christ. Uh, it's 9 30. We're yeah. taping this on Wednesday, it's man. It's rain. All we, I've complained since I moved back, and you off camera blame me for, uh, for this weather, by the way, since I moved yeah, back. Yeah, it's but, for um, sure your fault. We've been Chicago. I feel like we've been to Chicago with the winter, with the wind and the cold. We're starting to turn into like Seattle now with the spring weather. It's like always goddamn raining, man. It's I, I said it off air. I'm from Maine, New England, and Maine does not have a spring. It is mud season. You're just thawing. And then sometime in June, summer starts. And then we moved here and everyone gave us a hard time about Buffalo and the snow. And the snow is about the same, except for every once in a while we get a seven footer randomly, but very random in the North towns. Right. Uh, but the Springs, when we first moved here, probably the first even seven years or so yeah. Springs popped quick. We got like those 60 degree days, 70 degree days sooner than people, uh, East did. And we were really excited about that. Like, okay, like you can live here throughout the winters if you're going to have that early extra sunny days some nice springs last couple of years since you've been back pat <laughs> I'm telling fault. you man these winters are dragging <laughs> they're dragging on me pat yeah, another is... year of this i might get a go a uh, uh one of those um change.orgs to boot you back out to florida or something <laughs> i'll tell you what we get another year of this weather you might not have to do that because i might just jump back <laughs> down there and head back uh down south but anyway all right so i, I want to thank again everybody for watching this whether again if you're watching this on the video if you're if you're listening make sure you follow make sure you subscribe all that fun stuff we've again for the last six weeks we've we've been doing buffalo bills mock drafts this is the third year in a row i've had you on for that exercise i'm looking and today we're going to kind of put a wrap on what we liked and, and didn't like about the draft we're going to have some thoughts on a couple news items that have happened with the bills over the last 48 hours or so and maybe we'll hit on if we got some time, just the off season in general. So today's kind of like 
business. Starting next week, um, one, of, one of the reasons why I like having you on this show, and again, you know, you and Greg, you guys knock it out of the park. I cover one every week with your show. Thank you. Um, talk about Buffalo Bills, you know, in football. And it's not like you only, I mean, you guys talk about other stuff as well, but mm, not much. We don't, there's <laughs> a lot of, of Bills talk. Part of the reason why I, I like having you on the show is it's just, it's kind of an opportunity to talk about a lot of different things. And it's not always even just, a, and that's why I say this time and time again, it's not talking Buffalo Bills, talking Buffalo, you know, sometimes right. uh, I, I look forward to get back to uh, talk more things about going on in the city or just events that are coming up or, you know, you and I kind of like are on the same wavelength when it comes to music. So mm-hmm. I love talking music with you. I remember before we got started with the Bills process, we uh, we broke down that Rolling Stones top artist of all time. Oh, Those yeah, kind yeah, of fun. things. I think they're fun. And I think you could be the biggest Buffalo sports fan in the world. But still, it's nice to, ha- to have a little bit of a break. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. we kind of mix I, it up. Hmm? I think I'm okay. Buffalo Bills content, like uh, adequate. I, I think that I'm listenable. You can listen to our podcast and that's fine. Sure. But I, honestly... I'll pay my, I think my music takes are some of the best. I like them. Yeah, I do. I'll, I feel confident in my music takes. So I, I do enjoy when you present these conversations to me. Because one thing I'll give you, Pat, and I say this to anyone that will listen, is I think by far you are the best conversationalist in the, in the Bills game. Like you are sort of like the Howard Stern <laughs> of Bills content creation. But you do. You you bring out information about everybody that nobody knew before and that nobody really gets the chance to talk about. And I think that's cool and important. Yeah. I, and I appreciate that. And I really do. But let, again, just using you as an example, I off each other I like up here for, for the next I, hour. I, if I, you want. I just I, I like <laughs> fans, you know, Bills fans who, who watch, yeah. even if they're not a big fan of necessarily this show, you know, they, they really like you and Aaron, for an example, on, uh, on cover one. It's just it's an opportunity to get to know more. Just whoever I have on the show, that's kind of like my thing, an opportunity for fans yeah. to get to know more about you guys and you girls aside from just Bills content. So anyway, sure. next week, long story short here, we'll we'll start to kind of mix it up like we were before that's fun for both of us too so uh yeah anyway let's let's get down to um some bills news before we get to uh the draft and we're going to put up our, our last mock draft. you've done so many i'm sure you don't even remember who the hell don't put our last so it's going to be news to you when i throw it up there as i remember well. liking it but... i'll tell you this i think it would be an interesting question when i throw up our, our mock if you would take this one or the bills real draft we'll get to sure. that in just a few minutes so news Okay. So on um, Monday, and we heard over the weekend it was going to happen, um, the Bills signed Latavius Murray, a big running back to a one-year deal. And then on Tuesday morning, which in hindsight, we usually record on Tuesday morning, kind of glad that we didn't. So this worked out that we didn't record to Wednesday this week because sure. the Bills signed a defensive tackle, Puna Ford, from um, Seattle, five foot ten or five foot eleven and a half, I should say, 310 pounds, a big boy. I'm, I'm going to be honest, I was getting ready to bitch to you Mm-hmm. That the Bills didn't do shit in the draft to really address defensive line. And that changed. So let's yeah. start with uh actually let's start with four because to me that's sure. the, the bigger signing, man. Um, I know that your partner Greg Thompson, and people were literally when when Pune signed with the Bills, folks, if you're on Twitter, people were literally thinking of Greg immediately and going home because Greg was he's been begging. Pounding, he's been banging that table since yeah, since before free agency even started for Puna. This is a Oh, I want to get your thoughts. I, I just think this is a potential really, really good signing uh, for the Bills. What are your thoughts? I think it's a good signing for the Bills. I think he's a good player that fills a need of getting more size in the interior defensive line. Probably your best available when you add up age, size, usage. I'm guessing the value here on the deal being a late free agency signing. So it's a good value. I think that's great value for a defensive rotational player. I think we need Greg's excitement and Greg. I love Greg to death. And I think he'll agree with this when we talk tonight on our show that uh, his excitement may have gotten the fan base a little bit too excited for what to expect out of Mm Ford. I think what it gives us is the insurance that there's another big body if something happens to a Daquan Jones. I think it gives us the ability as the Bills defense changes here into um, a new defense that we haven't really seen in terms of personnel. It gives them the ability to have a different matchup piece so that 
you know, Ed Oliver's still going to be a big part of this defense on a contract year as that penetrating three tech type guy. A healthy Jordan Phillips is still a big part of this defense. Mm-hmm. I don't know how much Tim Saddle is part of the plans. I think that he's going to have to earn the right to even be considered to get some of these reps. But we're, I think we're talking somewhere in the 30 to 40. If I think it was uh, Daquan Jones snap count a year ago was around 62, 63%. Maybe we could drop that. 15% to kind of take some of the wear and tear off of his age. And you give Puna some of that and maybe give Puna some of the Jordan Phillips snaps. But I think it's going to be a mix of these guys. Uh, Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott like to mix these guys in. So it adds to this rotation. It provides insurance for the rotation that you have another big bodied guy there that can do multiple things. So I like the addition, but it is very much a rotational defensive edge late in free agency. Um, it's just a nice way I think to the point you made earlier that we're going to discuss here, the, the change that you're seeing in the Bills roster so that they be, can, can become a little bit more multiple on both sides of the ball. And I've been saying this in the cover one uh, DM group a lot is, you know, on offense, it seems like they're really becoming uh, multiple size wise so that they can dictate to certain types of defenses or certain types of personnel groupings. And if you want to play small ball, we've got some guys that can force you out of that. If you want to play big, we've got those guys too. Uh, on the defensive side, it seems like they're not so much trying to dictate to offenses, but allowing offenses to put out whatever they want and saying, we've got those packages for everybody. If you want to play big, Cincinnati wants to run down the middle of our defense. We can now go with Daquan Jones and Puna Ford and get a little bit big up front. And, and Greg Rousseau, who's a great run defender, and bring in another bigger edge and Shaq Lawson. And now we got a really stout run defense up in the front. So, uh, and, and take some space off those linebackers. So I like the way they're building the roster. I think this piece fits into what they're trying to do. I think there's still a couple holes. Um, but it's okay to be excited, but I think Greg did get everybody quite worked up yesterday. But I was happy for him. Greg needed this. It was his birthday recently. I don't know if you saw his post today. Um, he's driving to go visit his grandmother yeah. for the last time, uh, which I know is weighing heavy on him sure. as he drives there today. So I was so happy for Greg that he got his guy because you know how this work goes. Like you put in a lot of work. You try to find these targets. And when the Bills line up with one of your targets, it just feels good. It really it does. does. And it also feels good when you're – when you're pounding the table for somebody before free agency even starts and they end up signing the guy, no matter when it is, it, it, it's a W for you. It's you know a big win. The yeah. big, big W for you personally. I'll tell you, Joe Goodberry covers the Bengals. Uh, uh, you know who he is. He's been on your show before. Um, yeah, yeah. I have a lot of respect for him. I, I, I think he's really good. And he put up a tweet not long after the, the Puna signing on Tuesday and brought up the point that when the Bengals played the Bills last year in the playoffs, and he found out that Daquan Jones wasn't playing. He got his as, as Bengals fan, they got excited. He got excited. Smart Bengals fans got excited because they knew that that was yeah, going to be a sure. big hole in the defensive line. A hurt so, Jordan Phillips, your your next biggest sure, interior sure. defender, was also playing one armed, right? Sure. So and yeah, so Joe really thinks this is a good signing uh, for the Bills as well. I think to your point, hundred percent. He's not I mean, going to come in. He's not going to come in and get eleven and a half sacks, and you know, and and be a first team All Pro player. But I think he upgrades the depth. Yeah, very well. And yeah, and the defensive line that was hurt a lot last year. Bare minimum, this is insurance. Bare minimum, this raises the floor of the rotation. And so those are all absolutely solid things. And yeah, I think it makes sense. Brandon Bean spoke to it almost immediately after the draft, right? Like that we they were hoping to address it. I think that some of the targets that we had targeted throughout the mock process were probably targets for them that just didn't make it jumping up for Kincaid. If they probably stay put, I think they're taking Mozzie Smith. I really would have a hard time thinking that he wasn't their guy if they stayed put and Kincaid wasn't there. Uh, I think he would just swap those picks uh, with Dallas. So they were targeting it. We knew it. They didn't come out of the draft and Bean openly said it. We've got negotiations happening. We talked to people before the draft and we're going to get somebody. It's just going to be a matter of when does the deal get done and get announced. I think there's probably one more deal on that defensive side of the ball. I still see a hole. I know that there was a podcast out there today uh, with Chris Long that Brandon Bean was on that I've seen some clips on. I haven't seen the whole thing, but that he alluded to, uh, somebody told me he alluded to the fact that Von Miller might be ready earlier than anticipated, but I'm not planning on that. I would right. not. If I was the Bills, I wouldn't go into training camp without 
bringing in a Justin Houston, uh, and uh, Yannick Ngakwe type, if he's willing to take a lower deal, a Melvin Ingram type, uh, just in case Vaughn has any type of hiccup. We saw the the watch with Trey, who his knee injury was around the same time. And I'm not saying they're the same guys. I know Vaughn's been through that process before. But we saw that where we got a little bit excited at training camp, seeing Trevor White run. He looked fast. Uh, everybody was saying, hey, he's putting weight on. He's cutting. And then all of a sudden, it was dark radio silence for six, seven weeks before we really knew what was going on. I can see a scenario where that happens. I don't like going into the season without it. So I think there's probably one more maybe deal coming for one of those low-tier uh, vet guys to really round out this roster. It's worth noting, too, Puna Ford reportedly anyway is taking less money to sign with Buffalo for a better chance to – uh it's- this is a Taylor Rapp type deal too, though. It's a one-year deal mm-hmm. where you get this guy in the building, but it still puts the Bills in the same position that were pre-draft, which was you have a bunch of defensive tackles that none of them are on deals yeah. for next year. You're still in that same boat. But I think you get this guy in the building, and if the fit is exactly what you think it is and it's going the way you think, now you have the rights to extend that person before free agency next year. Absolutely. And, you know, Daquan Jones, who played very well last year when he was in the lineup, I think. But, you know, he is 32 years old, so... You know, if Puna shows out this year, the Bills might be interested in trying to lock this guy up for a longer term, you know, maybe a three-year deal or something like that. Yeah. And then maybe the urgency to draft a younger defensive tackle won't be quite as much. To your point, too, you, you talked about Tim Settle. I think if the Bills had taken maybe a defensive tackle, like, say, rounds three through five, he would have been brought along real slowly. And I don't think any of these veterans would have had to worry about playing time this year. But with the addition, now you got five veteran Defensive tackles, I agree with you 100%. Tim Settle's going to have to earn his keep. I don't think he's in danger of not making the roster because we know now, you know, with these injuries, how important it is to have proven depth there. But if all four of these guys are healthy, um, Tim Settle could be that guy who's, you know, standing on the sidelines and sweats in a in a Bills hoodie. He's got, a, he's, yeah. got, he's got a lot of work ahead of him right now with this addition. It's not ideal to have paid the type of money that you paid to him last year to have sure. not have him participate. But at the same time, I do believe that you have to be able to, it's a good trait for a GM and a team to have to not be uh, held burdened to those mistakes that you made. If the guy's just not fitting or he has to earn that right, like I said earlier, he's going to have that chance this summer. I don't think that Puna Ford coming in is cool. And I think the bills are saying, Hey, this job's available to you, but Tim Settle comes in and balls out this summer and he could overtake Justin Phil or uh, Jordan Phillips. He could overtake some sure. of these guys. Maybe there's a scenario where Phillips looks great. He's really healthy. Puna Ford gives you the ability to have some flexibility at both tackle positions. Um, and Settle really comes in looking great. Maybe you're a little bit more flexible and willing to move Ed Oliver for some teams or something like that. Even though I think Ed Oliver is a big part of this defense. I think he's uh, has much more havoc wrecking disruption than probably people think when they see the numbers. I think he's more impactful than the numbers show. But, I mean, that would be a good benefit to have is for Tim Settle to work out to the player you thought he was. But don't be held to that evaluation you had of um, if other guys are rising to the job. You know, I, I can't agree more. And, you know, I'm old enough to remember crucial snaps last year where Brandon Bryant was starting on the defensive side and Greg Van Roden was playing critical snaps in Miami on the offensive side. So... You know, you can never have too much depth. So things will work themselves out. I, I love the signing. Latavius Murray, the Bills signed on Monday. Pretty interesting to note, and Brandon Bean said this that had never happened before, that he kind of worked out this deal during the draft. And he agreed if Murray was going to sign that he wasn't going to draft the running back this year. I don't know if you saw that um that report. But anyway, yes. your your thoughts on Murray? I think this is a guy who, and by the way, a bigger I think he's like 230 pounds. He's never guy. been never been a, a flashy guy by any means, but this guy, and you look through his career, he's consistently, for the most part, stayed pretty healthy. Mm-hmm. And he's been, he is like your definition, I think, of what a really good depth running back, a backup is who can do some things when given uh, the opportunity. My first thought was, well, this is Justin Church. This is this year's Duke Johnson and, and nothing more. I've been slipping and thinking on it a little bit and, Maybe it could be a little something more than that. There's no guarantees about Damian Harris right now. There might not even be any guarantees about Naeem Hines, although he did get that new contract. That I don't know. What are, you, yeah. what are your thoughts on, on, on adding Latavius Murray? Where yeah. do you think he might For, fit in? First of all, I understand what you're saying about Damian Harris. There's no guarantee. There is technically, if Greg is listening to this, there is going to be some guarantees going to the running back room, no matter how you slice it. There's money 
is already invested there. And so that's why he was out on drafting one in general. But I think adding here makes a ton of sense. I will give you a sneak peek here. If anyone is a cover one, one pass member, you knew this was coming. Eric mm-hmm. Turner has been all over this for weeks now. He he knew this was happening. Uh, we aren't the type of organization that tends to do uh, source stuff. We're not going to put out on Twitter, but we talk with our one past members about things we're hearing and, and yeah. things like that. So another opportunity, if you want to be an insider with us, join one pass uh, cover one.net slash one pass. Hate to do a shameless plug there, Pat, no, but no, no, man. like do you said thing. with Greg, you're right. Cause you guys are right. I knew this was coming because of cover one. It's been a good week at cover one uh, with some of the guy. Uh, Eric was also all over Justin shorter. We're going to talk about later. Greg had his win with Puna Ford here and great uh, Eric with another win here with Murray. Uh, this just makes sense in terms of one. You have to go into camp with bodies, right? And so you wanted that competition to be there in general. You have a young running back. Like Naheem Hines is still a young running back. Cook is still young. Damon Harris is still pretty young, even though he's got some years on him now. Uh, th- this is a younger room. This adds that vet presence into the room so that's good it really does damian harris isn't as much of a short down back as people thought he was when he was assigning uh he's much more similar to devin singletary and i would still actually give devin probably even in short yardage i think the perception of the two of them is a little bit off just because of the new england power style offense versus what the bills run um but i think they're similar in that space where murray's a legitimate short yardage red zone physical tack tacking style running back and i think to your point earlier that's something the bills have shown at least on the offensive side of the ball that they're investing heavily in this year right i mean how many interior offensive linemen did they bring in 10 dudes it seems like uh come in to compete at the interior offensive linemen and the drafting of torrents you're getting like a big big body type guy this is i see the vision to become more physical on offense as defenses get smaller Pat, in the second round, I can't tell you how many times I heard J- Daniel Jeremiah say when a cornerback was selected in the second, third round, and then they go to him and be like, this is more of a slot hybrid nickel defender corner. And you just saw a team after team is trying to find that Taron Johnson. They're trying to find that, hey, how can we get into nickel 80% of the time to keep up with the trends of the league? And while the league, maybe I'm over homering thinking this, but while the league's sort of heading that way and chasing that, hey, we got to play small ball and go fast on both sides of the ball, Bills seem to be building a counterpunch into their roster of like, okay, if you want to play nickel, we're going to roll out Kincaid and we're going to bring a little bit of power running game at you and say, mm-hmm. okay, then try to stop us this way. The Bills have been trend setting in this territory of how to use slots both on offense and defense a little bit ahead of the rest of the league and i think that because of that they know those weaknesses the weakness against the bills has been teams that can line up with two tight ends teams that can put taron johnson in in suspect positions teams that can run right at these guys we saw dan orzlowski call it out uh when they were going up against the jets saying like hey if you can get taron johnson in some questionable positions with an offensive lineman on him you're going to have some success against this Bills team. You see them building uh, a more physical team. And I think Latavius Murray, again, this is exciting. This is a late free agency thing. I'm not expecting big production out of Murray. I just think it's an overall philosophy of how they're trying to build this roster to counterpunch the current everybody catching up to the trends. Does that make um, sense, Pat? It, it makes a lot of sense. I'm looking at his career right now, Murray, yeah. while, while, while you were talking. And from 2015 on, he's ran for at least 500 yards in every season of his career. And he's found the end zone. 50, man. And he's, he's found the end zone 55 times. He sounds to me like a really good complimentary uh, running back. We all know that. Yeah, he's like 4.2 a carry on his career. He's yeah. right there, 4.4, 4.5. Uh, he's been cons- really consistent. And, and he had 1,000 yard season. I mean, that was all the way back in, in 2015. And he is old. I mean, he's uh, 33 years. I think he's 33. So, but, but you got he, youth. You're not worried about that. Exactly. Look, you, you if know. Latavius what? Murray's going into a game and we're worried about how many touches he's going to get, something's gone wrong. Put it this way I feel like we all, we all expect middle linebacker to be the competition this summer at training camp that fans will probably will be most locked into. I think you might have a pretty low key battle right now. If you, you got to assume the bills, if they keep, they're keeping cook, you assume they're keeping Hines. 
I don't know if they're going to keep both Harris and Murray on the 53 because neither of those guys, to my knowledge anyway, are going to offer anything on special teams. So I don't know if they have room. Yeah, to but the practice squad, or... practice squad, you're allowed to keep vets now. Yeah, 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 for sure, for sure. I mean, they got to pass waivers first, but yeah, yeah. yeah. But my, my my point is, I think you might see a, a low key, really good battle right now between uh, Murray sure. and Damian Harris going into going into camp. So it, it's certainly something to uh, to keep our eyes on. So anyway, that's mm-hmm. in just the last couple of days. The Bills have added two potentially good. Um, depth veteran pieces here post draft. Before we talk about one more is coming, draft. I feel it. I have one more is coming. You what? One more is coming. Or one more veteran. Gonna, it's either going to be that low key, like I said, the edge. I think Brandon Bean's going to have a hard time not being in on some trade that becomes available here over the next couple of months with all those extra picks he accumulated over this past draft weekend there's a lot of picks laying out there for next year i think some guys are going to become available here because of draft signings or whatever teams are going to shake guys loose the bills are going to shake guys loose and i I think brandon bean's got another move in him all right real quick let me ask you this and let me ask you so let's pretend because it's always fun to pretend let's say the bills let's add a defensive end to the mix a guy that you like let's say houston let's say any of those guys that you like you look, you got now Vaughn Miller's out to start the season. How long he's going to be out remains to be seen. But beyond that, you got Rizzo and you got uh, Shaq Lawson's back now. You got Boogie, you got AJ Epinesa. You bring in a guy like a Houston or a quality veteran defensive end. I, I, I get this gut feeling that maybe somebody like AJ Epinesa, I'm not, I don't think they would cut him, but he did have low-key six-and-a-half sacks last year. Mm-hmm. Maybe a guy like that becomes training camp or preseason uh, trade bait. You know, maybe go get a pick for for a guy like him going into a last year of his contract. Because if They've you sign it. a guy and Vaughn gets back, again, just like with defensive tackle, we're talking about Tim Settle. One of these guys that I just mentioned, they're going to be the odd guy out. They're not going to be dressing to play football on Sundays. Sure. So. Um. I mean, he, Brandon Bean's done it more on the offensive side of the ball with kind mm-hmm. of rotational guys getting some late picks. I could see it. Uh, I would try to find a way to get add value to Boogie Basham's name and get something late for him. Maybe there was a team that had a similar type draft grade that you did that you can kind of clear that out of the way. I'd like to keep AJ if I can, especially if they don't land. If If they don't land on that. Justin Houston type guy. I think you have to keep AJ, but you could still probably afford to find a way to get Basham off this roster. Um, if you land a Houston, I do think that probably makes that more flexible with mm-hmm. uh, finding a way to get AJ on the field. Um, but I just, I just need a little bit of insurance there, I think. And maybe AJ can prove that here this summer. He's trending in the right way. I'm higher on him than most, but if the, if you could add a Justin Houston, I'd be real happy there. Okay. Before we roll into a break, and then after the break, we'll discuss uh, for a few minutes the Bills' actual draft. I want to throw up what was our final draft. Uh, was our sixth mock draft. This was, um, yeah. let me get it up here. As, I don't know how <laughs> you can see this on, on yep. the video side. But anyway, this we, we used Walk the Mock for our draft. This was our sixth and final one. We had five previous ones. So, I don't want to, because again, I got to remember, sometimes I forget, Aaron. You know, you and Greg do... Uh, Cover one, you guys do it on YouTube and you got yes. 10, 10 million uh, people who watch on video. Primarily our audience is audio, so sometimes I forget that. But anyway, we had the Bills and, and our final mock taking Broderick Jones, which let me preface by saying I never believed that he was going to last to 27. So I wasn't surprised that he went before in the real thing. But we had to play our cards that were dealt and he was on the board for us, so we couldn't pass him up. Anyway, we took Broderick Jones. Mm-hmm. Offensive tackle from Georgia. He ended up going pick 17 to uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers. We took Josh Downs in, in round two, the receiver. He ended up going to the Colts in round three in the real draft. Um, in round three, we took uh, Jacqueline Roy, defensive tackle from LSU. In the real deal, he went to Minnesota in round five. This one was surprising to me. We took Zach Kuntz, the tight end, in round four. So, it wasn't, and, and I think in every mock draft that we did, we took a tight end too. Yeah. We took Lou Shoemaker a couple times as well. So it's not like tight end was a stunning, you know, development to us. We took one in every draft. But anyway, we took Zach Koontz in round four. He ended up going to the New York Jets in round yeah. seven, which that really surprised me. Um, round five, 
We took Olu uh, Oluwatamami, uh, the center from Michigan. He did go in round five in the real mm-hmm. thing. He went to Seattle. And then our, we took Brandon Hill in almost every mock draft. So he was one of those guys that we took a lot on the, the safety out of Pittsburgh. We took him in round six. He ended up going to the Texans in round seven. I don't think anything with, with the except, exception of Kunsett that, that we picked was really entirely off. And I'll tell Touchdown's you, there's a lot pretty, of people, or a lot of people that were surprised that Koontz lasted as long as he did, too. Yeah, I think Josh Downs is probably the worst pick in terms of NFL value because what he ended up going 79 and we picked him 57 or whatever. Tough, tough night for Isaiah McKenzie, by the way, with that Josh Downs pick. I can tell you that right now. That then going to Indy might not have worked out too well for uh, for Isaiah. Yeah. Um, the Coons one was weird too because as he was falling and I was looking at my board and picks, I got there, got to a point where I was like, maybe the Bills can double up here just because I understand why yeah. he, I understand why he fell, right? Old Dominion, not a lot of competition, very raw tight end prospect, but you betting on traits is becoming, in my opinion, more and more, especially the later rounds. Like maybe if you've got a, a very raw prospect, like a Spencer Brown high, that's tough to uh, have to insert right as a starter. But is that Koontz taking a late waiver on a guy with traits just makes a lot of sense, especially how the change of the tight end positions going in the NFL. Um, but scouts didn't see it the same way. It didn't line up, but Josh Downs is the one here that stands out to me the most in terms of a reach, just because of once you get past the, that fourth round anyway, I think even Brandon Bean alluded to it, it becomes a little bit more muddy uh, values. But early on in the draft, I think the values are a little bit more defined of like who is a first rounder, who is second round grade talent, third round, and then beyond that is muddy. Uh, and the league did not agree with me and a bunch of other people that Josh Downs, I had Josh Downs in multiple first rounds and getting him early. We took him, we rounds, took him yeah. in a mock draft in the first round. One of our six was a, so, a Josh Downs picking round one. Yeah, way off there on how teams uh, in the league viewed him. So, yeah. And, uh, I think he only ended up being like the 12th, 12th receiver picked or, uh, yeah. or something like that. And then one last thing, again, in our defense, taking Broderick Jones, we also took Darnell Wright in two of our mock drafts. That's the way the board fell to us. I mean, I'm not going to. I still think on us. Uh, Brandon Bean can say whatever he wants. He is not making me feel better about Spencer Brown being the starting right tackle for the Buffalo Bills. Uh, I th- it's probably something that they can work through. Uh, but you right now, I don't feel better. We're having Joe Marino on tonight, and I know that he's a little more optimistic about Spencer Brown. And we're going to have that conversation because we've had it offline a little bit. And I think we're going to talk about that because I've heard nothing to make me feel better yet. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, I'm back with Aaron Quinn from Cover One. This doesn't drop the Thursday, so if you're if you're listening or watching this now, make sure that you go back, go jump on YouTube, type in Cover One if you're not already subscribed. Subscribe there and make sure you check out the episode that Aaron's talking about that drops out Wednesday night. They're going to have Joe Marino from Lockdown Bills. That's a conversation I'm looking forward to watching and listening to um, as well. All right, as for the Bills draft, things that I liked and I want to get your take on them and. When, when it comes to, to Dalton Kincaid, I, I'll say this. I, I like the pick. I was surprised. When you were watching the draft, I'm assuming you stayed home, of course, and you watched it. Did, was there a point where you started getting really itchy 
Like for me, when they got to pick 19 and JSN was still on the board and Zay Flowers and all the receivers were still on the board, yeah. I started getting really antsy. I really wanted the Bills to trade up at that point. And I told myself, because again, through the exercise, I knew that if the Bills wanted to go up to 19, Tampa was mm -hmm. on the clock, that it was going to cost him a third round pick and maybe a little bit more. And, I, and Brandon yeah. Bean was not going to give up a night two pick. I think he said that. And he pretty much stayed true to He did stay true to his word. Anyway, I got really frustrated when that run on receivers started. Well, at least for two of them, because I liked Najigba a lot and I liked um, Flowers a lot. I wasn't that big on Johnston and I wasn't all that big on Addison. All four of them go in a row. And I'm like, fuck. When it happened and the Bills didn't move up for any of these receivers, I'm like, all these receivers are off the board. I remember tweeting out. I'm like, I, I think I might have said tight end, but it wasn't. I, I might have, I can't remember. Maybe it was tackle. I was like tackle or trade down. And I was going nuts. And then the bills trade up two spots and they took Dalton Kincaid. I was like, well, I didn't know what to think for a couple of minutes. We yeah. talked a little bit about Kincaid through our process. I, it's just not something that I, I thought either of us had on our radar is something that might happen anyway. Uh, and again, make sure you check out cover one. You'll get more detailed thoughts on these picks um, on their show tonight. But, uh, some general thoughts on Kincaid. Yeah. I as as time went on, I, I really have grown to like this pick because of that's no, because we're homers, fit. right? Because that's what we're, I'm not a homer, dude. Trust <laughs> me when kidding. I tell you. I'm just messing with you. Uh, <laughs> I know you're joking, but seriously, if anyone thinks uh, that I'm a homer, go on my Twitter timeline right around the time that the Bills yeah. picked Dorian Williams, which we'll get to in a few minutes. But yeah, man, your your thoughts on Kincaid, and also let's continue so we can do this in one block here. Torrance coming back with with a guard in round two. Yep. A surprise, but not one that it's one that I, I like. It's a it's a mm -hmm. pleasant surprise. What are, what are your thoughts on these two guys? Yeah, I think both is a similar mindset, I guess, in that Kincaid really wasn't on my radar as much. Probably should have been in terms of we were looking at pass catchers. Right. Uh, and I knew that tight end was a spot they want more out of. We know they want 12 personnel. We They've tried to address it. Uh, they were big in on Evan Ingram a year ago in free agency. Look what he's done uh, when he finally got a chance to be the type of tight end he's supposed to be. They tried to address it with OJ Howard. That project did not work out in their favor. Uh, so making the investment there makes sense. For me, a lot of it was I'd seen the rumblings, uh, some mock drafts. I know uh, Daniel Jeremiah was very high on Kincaid. I think at one point he had them get going here early on. But it seemed to me the consensus on Kincaid outside, although the mock draft consensus had him in this area, the consensus idea that I got was that this is like a top 15 player in the draft in the top of his position. And I just thought some team would get in on that before the Bills were. So me too. I, didn't, I thought that would push some wide receiver talent down. I didn't really consider it. And not to say that, hey, oh, a high first round talent fell into the Bills lap because that does sound so homery when you're picking late. Uh, in the first, and we talked about so much. I believe it, though. I know, but we talked about so much, right? It's it's it, my brain's having a tough time wrapping my head around it because we Bean has less than seventeen first round grades. He's got blah blah blah, and then the one guy sneaks out into your lap. Like I heard it was thirteen, Aaron. I heard he had thirteen yeah. non quarterback first round grades on. But even in the Bills players. video, you heard him before. Hey, is there a guy that we're considering training? And he's like, hey, if that Utah tight end. Uh, comes available. That's that guy. And they, they did. They worked it up. As soon as we saw the trade with Dallas, like e immediately the cover one DM group, we were like, yeah, it's going to be King. Like you just knew. I think everyone assumed the latest it goes is Dallas. And so seeing that jump up, you got on that mindset. But for me, I know you asked about the when did we get uh, sort of antsy? The group ch ch chat got a little bit antsy right around 20 in terms of like, hey, we can get up here and, and really get a top guy. And then for me, though, it died down pretty quick. And, and it was, look at what's available. I think we were all comfortable. That with was your like mindset. Smith. That was your mindset through our, our entire mock draft process. I was trying literally every week to get you to trade up. And, and you weren't and I just you stayed weren't comfortable. Fighting. Yeah. You stayed comfortable with it. I was the opposite. So that's probably yeah. why I was more antsy than you. But I think they met us in a spot of we didn't move up a ton. You, get, you end up getting back the pick you lost, essentially. So it ends up being a wash for anyone that's mad about a trade-up value. I think it was a conservative way to be a little loose with your draft picks and still go get what you want. Yeah. Um, so I, I love you know, uh, hearing Eric Turner talk about the usage of Kincaid. We heard Bean right away um, 
really carefully try to not say he this is a Cole Beasley, but in the terms of what can be used and how you can be used in the middle of the field, that was probably the biggest thing that this offense was lacking here the last year. We've heard Cole Beasley openly talk about it, like his role in that offense was lacking and even having him back, not at full strength, still it was lacking. And so um, it was really it's the conversation about Kincaid took a little bit of an odd turn of like defining his position, which I'm sure you saw. And I'm sure some snark will continue on about that throughout the summer here. But at the end of the day, I think every Bills fan has to be happy that uh, you got a pass catching weapon to add to the arsenal. Again, to my point earlier of you see a league that is trending in a direction of more nickel, more shorter uh, Taron Johnson style players. Uh, dime teams trying to load up on dime type looks to prevent your Patrick Mahomes and the way you combat that. And we hear a lot of people clamoring for, Hey, do what the chiefs do. We want to see more of the Kansas city style of offense. Well, I'll tell you right now, go look up 12 personnel and what the Kansas city chiefs are going to be at the top of that list almost every year in the top 10, at least in how they run 12 personnel. That is the stuff they're doing is they're looking at the matchups you present and they're attacking you in, in your weaknesses and scheming their guys open within those weaknesses. And I think Kincaid gives you that ability to have some of the type of tools. He's not a Travis Kelsey. I, I nobody's a Travis Kelsey, but having guys that can do the things that they do with a Travis Kelsey, I think allows you to have that counter punch that doesn't let defenses dictate coverage or di- dictate personnel groupings to your offense. He's got that. He's got Kelsey traits. Let's just leave it at that. Let's not compare him to Travis Kelsey, but he's got some, some Kelsey traits. I hate. He's not a tight end. Yeah. If you want to feel better about the, the, the pick, take the words T and E for tight end and, and throw them in the garbage. You use sure. the word weapon. I think that's perfect. It's Some better than a Gasicki. talked about it. I know Sal Capaccio's talked a little bit about it. Yeah. Another good thing about this pick is that it's going to help dictate to the defense what they're going to do. Yeah. You know, when you got Knox out there. And by the way, for people who don't know, know any better, I'm not going to get into it. Just trust me when I tell you this. Dawson Knox ain't going anywhere for two years. All right, His contract alone is a reason why. Short of maybe a trade, he ain't going nowhere. It would cost the Bills money. They would eat a shitload if any, of that cap. So it's this is happening. a benefit to Dawson Knox. I, in I my opinion, like good, good luck, defensive coordinators. I think uh, folks are sleeping on Dawson Knox because the production wasn't there uh, in this past year. I think that is going to be more part of the plan going forward is to get him more heavily involved as well. Yeah. Now, when it comes to round two. All right. So this whole process, we talked a lot about Jack Campbell and Drew Sanders. Those were the two linebackers that the Bills Probably the only two worth taking that could come in and play right away. So the way it goes, I'm like, I'm waiting for Drew Sanders to get picked in round two. Doesn't happen. Doesn't happen. He's still there. He's still there. He's still there. The Bills get on the clock. I'm like, all right, here it is. Here's a linebacker. Or maybe they take a receiver or defensive tackle. Any of those three, I was like, I expect that. Sure. They come with a guard. And and I like the pick. I'm going to throw that out there. I, I, I like what they're thinking with the pick. It just supports. Surprised me, Aaron. I mean, they spent resources, man. They go to get McGovern, they get Edwards, Ibacher's back, and they draft a guard. Mm-hmm. And I and I like the pick because I think it's going to make Ryan Bates ultimately your super utility player on this offensive right. line. He probably doesn't yeah. start, but he could come in and play almost anywhere. Um, your thoughts on Torrance? Your your level of surprise when they pulled the trigger on a guard? Well, as he fell. Uh, this was a guy that a lot of teams and the mock draft consensus had the bills taken at 27. And so as he fell, this mm-hmm. just makes too much sense to not go get. Uh, I would be a hypocrite if I said that there's too much addition to the interior offensive line, because for about four years, Pat, one of my biggest gripes with Brandon Bean has been the misses, the mismanagement uh, of the interior offensive line, whether it was the giving up on Wyatt Teller too soon and getting that for late round picks, uh, whether it was the faith that this team put in John Feliciano to protect their most valuable asset, uh, the management of Mitch Morse at times when his recovery from injury, it just seemed there wasn't a good plan for the interior offensive line of this team and that this year they finally addressed it in a meaningful way. And I'm not going to be mad that they did more. And none of the guys that they brought in solidified that position to the point where you felt bad about this pick, right? It's not like they made a huge investment to this position in terms of like they they signed that one big guy that's going to come in and solidify things. 
it was, hey, we're going to take some waivers on some guys with upside that we think are trending in the right direction that can be at least raise the floor of this interior offensive line and maybe have some high upside. Now you've gone and drafted a guy that has a ton of high upside can be a long-term answer in the interior. Um, Yeah, I, I don't think there's been anyone on the team that has faced more of a disservice from the way the roster has been constructed than Mitch Morse. I think his play and how people view him have suffered from playing with John Feliciano from playing with Roger Saffold. There's a lot of responsibility that falls on his shoulders. So if there might not be anybody on this roster that has benefited more from this office off season, then Mitch Morse. And I know a lot of people have had him as a cut candidate. He's not going anywhere. Like there's some real money tied. No, 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 no. Uh, And he's a big part of this. And so I think he might have his best year as a Buffalo bill. If he can stay healthy with the improvement at guard. I like, I like Ryan Bates being able to go play wherever the bills need him. I think depth on the offensive line is very critical. Also, and we'll, we'll discuss, maybe we'll discuss this more next week because I think it's worth an entire separate conversation. But I think Brandon Bean, you know, we, we forget about players so quick and we're like, take a day two running back, not us, but some people, you know, take a running back, maybe even in the first round or uh, a wide receiver. We need Josh Downs. We need this type of slot receiver. I think this draft showed some some faith that Brandon Bean has in some of these young players like Khalil Shakir to take the next step here. James Cook, who's probably going to be, I don't know if he's going to be the feature running back. I don't know if he's ever going to be a true bell cow running back for the Bills. But I think the Bills showed some faith in some of these young guys that they just drafted for the most part a year ago. I don't personally like it, but Spencer Brown, that's another guy that Brandon Bean is showing some faith in, as you can see, at least as of now, by this draft. So, and again, I don't like that, but I do like that Brandon Bean is showing some faith in guys that he developed. We'll talk about that separately. On the opposite end, I got to be honest, and I don't know if you could, even if you wanted to try to sell me on this. I look, I hate the Dorian Williams pick. I, 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 I was mad then. I'm a little more rational today, but I still don't like the pick. And it's not that I don't like Dorian Williams. He seems like a great character guy. He sure. might be a pretty good foot. Not might be. He he was a pretty good football player in college. It's nothing against him personally. I want to put that out there, but dude, third round, man, third round, you're taking a guy who's a under, another undersized linebacker who Brandon Bean said right off the bat is going to start out on the outside. So he's Matt Milano's backup mm-hmm. and a special teams guy. Does that not sound like a guy that you take in the fifth or sixth round? I don't know, man. And I'm not saying he's a fifth or sixth round talent. I'm just saying that's a fifth or sixth round fit for the Buffalo Bills, a backup linebacker who's going to be great on special teams. Nobody loves special teams more than the Buffalo Bills. Let's just put it that way, man. And then to make matters worse, the Chiefs, what did they, the next pick, they trade up, they get an offensive tackle. Morris, we talked for weeks about Spencer Brown and the Chiefs, uh, they move up right after the Bills. And they take a tackle. And then Broderick Martin's a guy that we talked about plenty. The Joy Lions, a couple picks later, they trade up and they take a defensive tackle. I, I hate the pick, man. I'm, I'm sorry. I don't know. I'm sure your thoughts are a little more level-headed and rational than mine. But I hated this pick. Um, and maybe to, I'll look like yeah, a jerk no. in a couple of years. And I yeah, would whatever. love to, by no. the way. I think- this guy turns out to be something, hey. Sure. I will gladly put my foot in my mouth. I will be the first to make fun of myself if I'm wrong. And I hope I am. I hate the pick. It's definitely the most controversial pick for the Bills. Mm-hmm. It's definitely the one that uh, deserves the most criticism. Uh, I think the late picks, it's hard to criticize, right? Like the uh, guard and cornerback, whatever. If that turns into anything, fantastic. Right. Sure. These first three picks uh, and maybe even the shorter like those four are probably the ones that are going to get criticized of their contribution to the team over the next three years. Right. And that, mm-hmm. that'll be, this will be what Brandon beans drafts that we talked so much about uh, this off season, this new draft class, th- those first four are going to be the ones that he's probably are used to gauge of whether or not he had uh, success in this draft. This one is interesting to me because I think it is comes down to where are, where's your brain at in terms of what you believe this roster needs and where your football philosophy lies and where you're thinking the bills are going, going forward at this position. So Tremaine Edmonds muddies up a lot of this conversation. I think Brandon beans talked about that a little bit in terms of size and ideal size. Like, sure. If you're comparing a guy to Tremaine Edmonds, not a lot of matches. Jack Campbell's it, right? Like if that's what you're looking for. And I think the size was a huge advantage and the bills took advantage of his size, but it's important to remember that's 
rare to have a guy that can move and be like that and be out there. And it also did present some issues in matchups that he's not a smaller, uh, more fluid athlete that could hang with slot receivers. Uh, Kelsey gave him specifically some problems where uh, when the Bills drafted Benford, the vibe felt the same immediately. And I was with Eric live in Vegas when we drafted uh, not Benford, Bernard, and we we're kind of puzzled by it. And that night, we're, you know, you, if nobody understands the process of Eric Turner uh, as much as like Greg and I who have seen it live or draft night, like he just the next morning he woke up and he had all of this uh, ben, uh, Bernard tape just ready for us to take a look at. And he's like, hey, I think there's a new philosophy going forward. And, and now it seems like it's presenting itself. And he just posted it uh, earlier today, the video he did on that pick showing, Hey, maybe mirroring some linebacker type stuff is really the vibe that they want to have for the linebacker position going forward, where you're not caught in a position where slot receivers or tight ends are really, um, something that's dictating things to you and your defense. And so in that mindset, in that mold, I do think Dorian Williams fits some of what they're trying to do at that position. I think they're going to give Bernard the opportunity at that job. I think some of the way Brandon Bean has talked about the pick of Dorian Williams here this week might be just him pumping the brakes on the expectations for this kid to have to come in and fill the hole that is Tremaine Edmonds in this fan base, right? Like, I think if he came out and said, yeah, Dorian Williams is, we envision him to come in and replace Tremaine Edmonds. The amount of pressure that just the spotlight that puts on him for the whole summer just isn't fair. I think if you come out and set the expectations, well, you know, Let's see how this plays out. We're going to give every, you know, let's let's get a look at the book and see if he can pick up the playbook, see how it goes. I think it sets a fair expectation of him to not have to be the starting middle linebacker day one, but that it leaves the door open. Yeah, we believe that at least with his wingspan and the size and the range that he has, he can do all these things that we need him to do at the position, but we're not saying he's a Tremaine Edmonds replacement. I will, um, I'll be honest too. My reaction probably, and I, I want my GM to be honest as often as he can with fans and content creators, all of us, but for, in terms of how fans would react, I don't think Brandon Bean did favors to anybody when he said that he's going to start out on the outside because immediately that says your boy ain't seeing the oh, field. Yeah. There's no path for him seeing the field unless Matt Milano gets hurt, which obviously nobody wants to see. Mm-hmm. I, I agree with your point though, but I'm, I, because when they drafted, I'm like, all right, well maybe the bills are like envisioning him as their middle linebacker. Maybe not even as a starter, as a rookie, because you I can't expect your third-year rookie to be a starter. But when he said that he's going to start on the outside, that's what made me think, like, come on. It also matters the perception. Uh, what Brandon Bean says in front of the media also matters the perception to Dorian Williams himself and those expectations. But it also matters to the guys in the locker room, right? Sure. If if Bean came out and said, no, this guy is jumping the lead and he's gonna, we're going to go right into middle linebacker, I think those conversations that they've probably already had with Bernard and that they've had with Dotson and the guys that they are saying they're probably already comfortable giving a chance to, I think it muddies those waters as well. So I think if he's as loose as possible with the role that they expect out of him, then it gives them a little bit of wiggle room in all sides in terms of the optics that you, you don't set a bad taste in the mouth of that room. Everybody's coming in, has a fair ground on the competition. I think that's the right way to set this room up for the summer. Um, when it comes to it, I also didn't like that they did not address the defensive line. Matt said this is a team in a championship window right now, a win-now mode. So they go out after the draft and they go get Puna. So that kind of wipes that out. I'm very yep. happy with what they did. Quick question. I know we're running out of time here. Spencer Brown, I, I also didn't like about the draft. They offer him no legitimate real competition. Mm-hmm. As of today, anyway, David Quisenberry and Tommy Doyle are your competition for Spencer Brown, a.k.a. Spencer Brown is your starting tackle. Week one. Quick question, though, and I legitimately don't know the answer to this. I know Ryan Bates has played center. Obviously, he started at guard. I know he's played some. I think he's played a little bit of left tackle. Could we see a potentially? Do you do you envision a, a possibly maybe Ryan Bates? They try to to see what he could do maybe at right tackle, and you might see some of that during camp. Do you see that happening? You could see that stuff happening during camp, but we know that Cromer likes to move guys around, get guys knowing other spots so that they can know sort of the holistic view of what everybody's responsibilities are. So I don't know that I would necessarily read into snaps at practice or anything specifically how they're doing mini camps here coming up or or those types of snaps. 
into it, but he does have the flexibility. We've heard people uh, assume that could be the case. Maybe that's part of the plan to push at that position. Um, I just, I think this is a spot, whether it's fair or not, where in my view of Brandon Bean, I think he's got a bit of blinders on to Spencer Brown right now and does not view it as the, with the urgency that I do. Um, and it's one of my biggest concerns. I put out a poll. Uh, you can head over to my Twitter at Aaron Quinn, seven one six. It'll be up for you until tomorrow. I said, my Buffalo bills unknowns that I can't stop thinking about. And we probably won't know until the end of summer or longer is uh, who's the Mike linebacker Von Miller's health status is Spencer Brown serviceable right tackle and Ken Dorsey use weapons right now. Ken Dorsey's running away with the pole. Spencer Brown's right there at second uh, and whether or not he's serviceable. And I think that that's fair for the bill for bills mafia to that, that in terms of the roster construction and what has been addressed, it seems that there's a void at that one position to me that, that just feels that Brandon beans invested as much as he says he is. When it comes to the guys on the field right now, I think my biggest concern will be what they're doing at middle linebacker. Not far off though is Spencer Brown, the guy. If nothing else, I'll give Brandon credit. He he wasn't full of shit when he talked up how much he liked Brandon or uh, Spencer Brown and his actions. Set no, we up. don't know if if Darnell Wright was on the board or Broderick Jones is on the board. We'll never know how much he really loves Spencer Brown. That was going to be the ultimate litmus test to me. Was like that, one of these true. guys falls and he passes, then then we really know we love him. Right. What we did learn unequivocally during his draft is that the Bills really did not have a big interest in Drew Sanders. That much we learned because they took a guard. Or the wide receiver market. They, or the they wide could have gotten in that wide receiver market, sure, at least from what up. we saw. We saw that it was vi- viable that they could have been in there. Agreed. So I think some things can be clear or became clear, I should say, because of the draft. Let me set this up, and we'll do it for next week. I want to set this up for next week. We'll just touch on it now because we got to get going here. And we get to talk I, about shorter yet. We're going to have to do that <laughs> next week. Too, well, like we'll, do, we'll do that. We'll hit on shorter next week offensively, I just think that this is a team that's looking to get bigger and more physical. I think that Cincinnati game really resonated with them. They go get Harris, who you said is not as big as some people think he is, but Murray definitely is. They get a big slot guy with Kincaid with their first pick. He's a a souped-up version of of Cole Beasley. Trent Shurfield, let's not forget about him. He is a great blocker. Mm -hmm. This team, and and then they draft Torrance, this beast of a guard. This looks like an offense... That's ready to change and evolve. Just give me a, a quick thought or two. And next week, we'll talk about the defense. And I think the defense is all about health. And we'll hit on that next week. But just on the offensive side of the ball, you sense it just a change in what this identity is going to be going forward? I hope so, right? The, in my poll right now, that's the biggest concern Bills fans have yeah. is like, cool, you can get all the right groceries, but can Chef Dorsey make a, a meal with all the, the delicious produce that you have available to you, right? <laughs> this was the problem last year. I don't even think that they had a lack of weapons or diversity on the offense necessarily last year. It became utilization. Uh, we've heard a lot. Sean McDermott speak to it. Brandon Bean speak to it that one of the biggest strengths of Ken Dorsey's is his ability to look inward uh, and see the flaws and uh, that we've heard that they've got a plan in place uh, going forward here. And so we'll see. I think there's a smart enough people um, as hard as on Ken Dorsey as I've been. He's a smart dude. Like enough people have said so that I believe it. Joe Brady is an intelligent offensive mind. So uh, Shula and uh, as well, Uh, Rob Boris, I'm very excited for him to get his hands on Kincaid because what he's done with Dawson Knox and turning him into a good blocker. I think that we can expect the same stuff. These are good coaches, smart people. If they are who we Bean and McDermott say they are in terms of they see the flaws and they're going to fix them. Then we have to assume we're going to get some of that. And the way they are building definitely to me, on really both sides of the ball seems like there's a a concerted effort to become more versatile at key positions, especially in the middle of the field um, with the signing of Taylor Rapp, having that more flexibility hybrid type position in your slot, maybe being able to mirror what it is. Taron Johnson does on the other side of the ball, going smaller at the middle linebacker position to keep up with these slot receivers and hybrid tight ends, and then getting one yourself and a guy that can, push teams okay if you want to play smaller nickel we're going to force you or have these smaller linebackers we're going to force you to cover two tight ends that can get in the seams and control the middle of the field otherwise if you're going to play small ball okay Deontay Hardy can run stride for stride with any single person and and run crossers all day so just giving you this flexibility to meet the way teams are trending I think is smart football and yeah I think Brandon Bean has displayed 
He's come back from Wegmans with all the best groceries that we could get and that we could find. And now it's up to Ken Dorsey. Can he put together the meat? I, I haven't eaten anything today. And you're talking you're about produce and groceries is really making me hungry. Yeah. Next week, we'll dive more into, we'll get more in depth about the Bills offseason on both sides of the football. And also, we'll spend time next week talking about Shorter, the fifth round pick. I do think that was a yeah. really interesting pick. Kind of looks like a lot. Reminds you some of Gabe Davis. We'll yeah. jump on that. Uh, next week and that's for this show as for your show and again make sure you follow aaron on twitter at aaron Queen 716 check out the cover one buffalo podcast to, well you're listening to this on thursday so go back and, and watch that they have Joe Marino on. i'm sure that's going to be good yes yeah, on demand that is a cool thing about youtube or actually i guess audio as well so and now things are slowing down a little bit pat the, the, the yeah. real quick before we get out of here the craziest the worst part about draft stuff is that content is like moves so fast but, it's like fatiguing. Greg and I did a show on Wednesday and we're like, this is pointless. No one's even going to listen to it because it's going to yeah. be drag and none of the stuff matters. But now we're getting to the period of time where if you don't get to catch a show, you can wait a little bit and catch yeah. it. And it won't be, not everything's going to have moved so far uh, that the information is going to change that much. 